the story of the healing of uh, Jairus's daughter, and also in the middle of that, the hearing, uh, the healing of the woman with the hemorrhage. It's a kind of a design where there's the first, the beginning of uh, the account of uh, the miracle of Jairus's daughter, and then this is sort of in the uh, kind of a balancing with the two. Uh, the central portion is sandwiched in between the two parts of the account of Jairus's daughter. Um, it's a wonderful reminder to us of the healing power of Christ. Uh, two different people are experience, experience this healing power that gives them life. And today I think it's good for us to remember that the Word of God itself performs this work of healing. Not only the Word who is Jesus, always the prime way in which we use the term of the Word of God, but also the sacred scriptures, in a very particular way, the Gospels. For everything else we sit, for the Gospels we stand. This is the Lord himself speaking to us. And earlier this day over in Rome, our Holy Father gave out to thousands and thousands of people at uh, St. Peter's uh, at his Angelus blessing, uh, many, many, many copies of the Gospel, little booklets of the Gospel with the Acts of the Apostles. And as he has said on many occasions, he encourages people to uh, to read the gospel. Just have a little copy with you, and whenever you have a chance, pull it out and read the words of the Holy Gospel. This is a splendid way in which we should live. It helps us in so many ways to see God's will. And he points out, too, in this modern technological age, that you can not only have, can use a little book, but you can use things such as iPads, iPhones, uh, Blackberries, you name it, pods and tablets and all those things. Um, in fact, it's been known for some priests, even bishops, even cardinals, to pray the divine office on a little tablet. Of course, that would never be done in this diocese, but it, uh, <laughs> it's wonderful in a dark church because you don't need any light. There it is. Uh, so uh, these are great gifts. Technology sometimes is a, is a problem for us, but sometimes technology can help us. Another thing that technology can do, we can, you can easily get uh, readings of the Gospels, or the whole Bible for that matter, if you're driving along, or if you, you have a headphone or something like that on a long trip, we can actually hear the words of the Holy Gospel read out. And that, of course, is, is best of all. The Word of God was not originally meant to be, not, not to speed read it ever. It's always to be read out loud, and that, of course, is one of the things of Lectio Divina, a very important part of it, whether it's being done here in the cathedral church or whether just alone in our room, it's to read it out loud, not to just uh, speed read it with the mind, but read it with the whole body. And in that way, we come more and more to appreciate the meaning of the sacred words. Abraham Lincoln used to irritate his law partner by reading the newspapers out loud. Uh, I don't know whether they have anything worth them reading out loud, but when his partner said to him, why are you doing that? Uh, he said, it sticks better if I read it aloud. It sticks better, and that's true. So these are just some suggestions we might have for the letting the Word of God uh, gain traction upon our hearts. But this evening, we will be uh, meditating upon and listening to the Lord speak to us through this beautiful account of these two miracles, which together show us the way in which we need to reach out to Jesus and experience in that the salvation of our souls. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let us now place ourselves in the presence of God, for he is always with us, but we are not always with him. 
And let all those worries and cares which so occupy our minds, let them go, that we might be attentive to his word within our hearts as we hear the sacred words of Holy Scripture. Most especially on this Lenten day, may those sins which clog our hearts, which break and build a barrier to block the pathway to our hearts through which the Lord can enter in, let them be cast away. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and besought him, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him, and there was a woman who had had a flow of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I shall be made well. And immediately the hemorrhage ceased she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone forth from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing that what he had done for her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, he saw a tumult and people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why do you make a tumult and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and walked. She was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. 
And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and besought him, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. Jesus has been across the sea in the land of the Gerasenes and cured the demoniac, who has now been freed of the bonds that held him down. So now he comes back home, back to his home territory. And when he did this, a great crowd gathered about him. Throughout this passage of scripture, we see Jesus serenely moving forward, healing as he goes. In the midst of a great crowd, they're drawn to him. They gather about him as he was beside the sea. The presence, the healing presence, Jesus draws people. This is one of the things our Holy Father speaks of, that as we seek to evangelize, sometimes we may do so by proclaiming the gospel boldly and doing many different things, but it is the attractive power of Christ which is the heart of it all. Christ draws people to him, and we as his disciples need to draw people to us and through us to him draw people to our communities of faith if they are places where Christ is present. For if Christ is with us, then he will attract people. And sometimes, and we, his disciples, we can get in the way of that. Yet once people see Christ, they come to him. A great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Let's ask the Lord to help each one of us to, to be someone who, as a true disciple of Jesus, lives so much in the light of Christ, so transparent to his grace, that he will be able through us to draw people to him and to his heavenly Father. Not for us, but for the Lord. The people may come, especially in this time of Lent as we pray the people may come home they may come home to our parishes, or perhaps they have drifted away for various reasons, maybe because we have not reflected Christ to them, and they have not felt welcomed. Perhaps that is why. Whatever it may be, may we be instruments of God's grace in attracting people to come to Christ. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and besought him, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. He is a ruler of the synagogue. He is a distinguished, important person, powerful person in the community in which he lives. And yet he drops to his knees, he begs Jesus, he lets go of all his dignity and sort of like Zacchaeus climbing up the tree. He comes and he falls at his feet and beseeches him. Why does he do this? This powerful, distinguished gentleman, this ruler of the synagogue, because he loves his little daughter. My little daughter, he says, is just at the point of death. Come. 
that human reality touches the heart. We see in this passage of scripture, this and the one soon to come, two people who are like this. The woman, just a few moments from now as they go through the crowd, she is so, she reaches out to Jesus. And here this ruler of the synagogue does the same. It is love that brings him to the Lord. Not initially probably love of Jesus, but love of his little daughter. That is such a beautiful, profound human reality. May there be more of that human love which leads us to Christ. They came, one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and besought him, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. He experiences the tragedy of about to lose his little daughter whom he loves. And this draws him beyond himself and he seeks help. It is this tragedy which leads him. Through that he comes to the Lord to ask for help. Sometimes we think we don't need help. Maybe a ruler doesn't think he needs help, but now he knows he needs help. He isn't in control. His little daughter is dying and he can't do anything about it. Too often we, we think that we're in control and we're not. We need to know our need for God and for one another. And so this man is brought to Jesus. My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. We notice in this passage and the one just right after this, the physical sacramental reality. Touch her. If only you can touch her, lay your hands on her. And soon you'll see the lady coming through the crowd, touching just the, just his garment. If I can touch him, then I will be healed. The Lord acts with his majestic power, but he does so in human ways. For we're not angels. Believe me, we're not angels in a lot of ways. We're very physical. My little daughter, we love, we're human. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The word did not become a computer and dwell amongst us. The word did not become an angel and radiantly give a message to us. Even Raphael, Gabriel, Michael, these are messengers, but the one who sends them became flesh and dwelt amongst us so that he could be close to someone who is in sorrow because he's about to lose the little daughter whom he loves. This is what life is about. And the Lord is in the midst of it. We do not seek him in far off places for he is close at hand. And sometimes he is closest at times of sorrow and worry Imagine this father so worried about his little daughter. And this is, is in this moment of pain that he comes and reaches out to Christ and beseeches him and falls on the ground before him, reaching out to him. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Let's pray the Lord to give each one of us that that heart of flesh 
not a heart of stone. To care for the ones around us, truly to know our need for help, to know our need for Christ, to reach out, to beseech him in the midst of our struggles, to help us that we may live, that we may be made well and live. And he went with him immediately. Mark always uses the term immediately. He doesn't hear, he does later, but he went with him immediately. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. He didn't simply say, well, now let's see. I've got a big crowd here I have to take care of. Can I book you in perhaps um, when can I fit you in? I often think of a, a thing I must admit, I have sometimes ta taken a naughty delight in. A, there's a cartoon once in The New Yorker of a fellow at his desk on the phone. He has his calendar in front of him. He says, no, Tuesday's out. How about never? Is never good for you? <laughs> but he went with him. <laughs> I mean, boom, he's there. Our Lord doesn't take any time to think about it. When someone beseeches him, comes to him, someone in need, he goes with him. Just like when he was coming across the, he and the apostles coming across the lake, trying to get away for a little break. They've been so busy, so busy. And there was a crowd there, like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to minister to them. And later on, he got away. But he went with him immediately. We need to be that way. We need ourselves to have Sabbath time in our lives, so be careful about that. After all, we're not, it's a, it's a matter of arrogance to think we don't need time off. God is God and you and I are not God. Well, even God says he needs a day off in the, the book of Genesis. So if he does, what about us? So we do need to take our time. We do need to be refreshed. Yes, indeed. It's arrogant not to. We need time off, but when someone is there in need, he went with him immediately. That word immediately is very important in Mark. It, he, every constantly using it, but it's just, let's not dither. We, we need to come to the aid of those around us. Let's pray the Lord to help each one of us when we see someone in need that we don't just put it off for another day, but that we go with them right away and be with them and help them in whatever way it may be, even perhaps just to say a prayer for them right away. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a flow of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. This is the opposite of the ruler of the synagogue. He's a powerful man. The love for his daughter brings him to, to Jesus. This poor woman has, is ritually unclean, and she's used up all her money. She shouldn't even be there by the laws. She should stay away. Now it's interesting, Luke, St. Luke describes this event as well. 
But he doesn't put in the part about the physicians ripping off the lady. This is not, uh, he was, he's known famously as Luke, the glorious physician. So I think he omitted that part. <laughs> Mark, however, is not so tactful. Mark says, I don't think he will, uh, this is not, uh, uh, this will not get him in favor. He says, he suffered much under many physicians and has spent all that he, she spent all that she had, was no better, but rather grew worse. So we don't want to know the name of her doctor or her several ones. But whatever it is, she's in a terrible position now. She's ritually unclean. She has a, a disease she can't get rid of. There's no way to help. And she's lost all her money. So she's totally destitute. And none of us are going to get into that. that. That's an extraordinarily difficult situation. So the powerful and the weak both come to Jesus. The ruler and this woman who is so desperate. A lot of things can bring us to the Lord whether at the top of the wheel or at the bottom of the wheel. And the wheel turns and turns. It doesn't matter as long as it brings us to Jesus. So there she is. Let's just pray for all those in our society who are, as they say in the modern terminology, marginalized, who are rejected, weak, without resources, just as this woman is, who is in such desperate straits. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I shall be made well. She reaches out with faith a lot of people are touching his garments. He's going through a bustling crowd. We see that later. She reaches out with faith. And actually, she's being considerate of Jesus because uh, she's just touching the edge of his garments so that he will not be cause ritual problems. He's considerate of her <laughs> to Jesus. She'd heard the reports about Jesus. That's your job and my job to give reports about Jesus, to share an account of our own meeting with the Lord as the, the Gerizim demoniac in just short bit back, spread the word about what he'd received from the Lord. He had been so desperate, like this woman, that man, the two of them, we have him and his misery, her and her misery, and the ruler of the synagogue in between. All of them need Jesus. And all of them will tell but she's already heard reports about Jesus. Now, we don't know, it doesn't say where. Maybe the Gerizim demoniac was healed. Maybe he zipped across the lake first and started telling people on this side. <laughs> that probably didn't happen, but maybe he did. He was doing it on the other side. It's for us to spread the word of the mercy of the Lord, of his presence, and of our own experiences of Christ's presence in our lives. She'd heard reports. And that's what we are to be. We are to be reporters of the Lord. She came up behind him in the crowd very humbly and touched his garment. Like the publican in the temple, she doesn't come up front. And she, of course, is very, very much shunned. But she comes gently, quietly, and touches his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I shall be made well. 
Like the ruler, she has faith. He's there to help his daughter. She is there asking help for herself. We all need help. Let's pray that we will have that, that faith, that understanding of our need for our Lord, that we may reach out, run and fall before him like the ruler or touch his garment like the woman with the hemorrhage. And immediately the hemorrhage ceased and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out forth from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? There are the two of them, crowds, just people pushing and shoving as he's moving along towards the ruler's house. All kinds of people. And yet in that whole crowd milling around and shoving and pushing as he moves along, there are two who are aware of one another. He doesn't even see her for she is behind, but she reaches out to him and he knows she's doing that. The power goes out, the healing power from him. And he said, who touched my garments? It's not the quantity of the crowd that matters, it's the personal contact, the reaching out, one to one, I to thou. Not it to it, but person to person. That's what life's about, person to person, love, care. The rest are bumping into him, she's touching him. She's touching him with her hand, just the tip of his garment. But she's touching him, reaching out to him with faith. And he's reaching out to her with love. And she's healed like that. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone forth from him, immediately turned about of the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? Obviously, they don't get the point. They just see a crowd of people. He sees someone in need who loves and cares, who has faith, who reaches out. It isn't accidental. It's intentional. And he picks up intention instantly. All the apostles see is just a crowd, a blur. He senses the presence of a person in need who's reaching out to him in faith. He always senses the presence of a person in need reaching out to him in faith. We're not a crowd. Even in a huge crowd, we're not a crowd. No one's ever a face in a crowd. Each one of us is called by name. And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had been done to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now for the second time, we have someone falling down before him in fear and trembling. But the ruler of the synagogue fell at his feet and besought him, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. But the woman, knowing what had been done to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She's experienced power from God. 
and this awesome person in front of her, who she knew would help. As soon as she reached out to him, she received this new life. And it fills her with fear and trembling. Maybe we need more of that. You know, too often we, we touch divinity, the body of Christ, amen, it is the Lord. We, we reach out. It is almighty God with us in a little way, in a human way, an ordinary sacramental way, a lowly way to be with the little daughter and to be with the person in need. But still, when she touches divine reality, she's filled with fear and trembling because she knows this is not just something ordinary. And we need that. We need to be a bit more aware. Not fear in the sense of being afraid of God, but holy fear and trembling in the sense of being in awe of God. Sometimes we treat the sacraments like commodities. Give me some more. This is not right. We treat the Holy Word of God that way. We treat our faith that way. But it is in fear and trembling. Take off your shoes for you are on holy ground. God is not our buddy. This is awesome. And we need a sense of that. What was given to her in this moment of an extraordinary contact with the majestic power of Almighty God walking by in the midst of a crowd, so unimportant looking that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas had to point him out because he looks so ordinary, no one can tell which one was Jesus. We often think in the movies, he always has sort of a you know, light shining on him. No, no. When God walks by, it's easy not to notice. In so many different ways when God walks by, it's easy not to notice. But even when Almighty God, the Lord Jesus himself, so she reaches out and told him the whole truth. That's not bad. We always need to do that. Tell him the whole truth. It's like in confession. When in doubt, spout. Just why play games? Why put on a show? Why act a part? We need not do that. What's the point? In our whole life, what's the point of acting these various little roles we play with one another and even with God? I mean, life is too short. We don't have time for that kind of stuff, those games. So she came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. First he said, go in peace. Then he said, be healed of your disease. That's the order. Daughter, your faith has made you well. That's the bridge that allowed her to reach out to him. His power had made her well, but it was her faith that made her reach out to touch the garment, to know she needed to come to him. Just as in the parable of the prodigal son, 
It was the grace of God that led him to turn and to come back up the road. It was the embrace of the Father that forgave him. But first he needed to turn and come up the road. That inner repentance, the confession, the absolution. And so he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Shalom, go in peace. Inner peace deep and profound, and be healed of your disease. That is the sign of something deeper. Let's just spend a moment of thanksgiving before the Lord God. And think of the things in the life of you and me, each one of us, which rob us of our peace. Perhaps it is some physical disease, like the woman. Perhaps it's worry about someone else, like Jairus. Perhaps it's some kind of concern about our own life. Whatever it may be, it may not be a disease at all. It may be some nagging fear, some situation we're in, whatever it may be, that fills us with anxiety. And our knowledge that we're not in control. May we reach out like Jairus for his daughter, like this woman for healing, so that we may hear the words, go in peace, be healed of your disease. Be so thankful to the Lord that he gives this to us. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. The woman came in fear and trembling. He said, Shalom, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And to Jairus, when he has just heard that his daughter, his little daughter, has just died. It is too late. They've come too late. This daughter has died. Jesus says, do not fear, only believe. Do not let that fear take over you any more than the case of the woman just there. Do not fear, only believe. For we are filled with fear if we do not understand the context of our struggles, whatever they may be, they're there. I mean, we're not going to get rid of them, whether it be physical, psychological, economic, uh, you name it, whatever it is. It's very hard to be freed of these things too easily. But what we fear is the effects of these struggles, these storms through which we travel, the storms within our own hearts, perhaps. And he says, do not fear. This is what he says when he comes across the water. Do not fear, it is I. I'm here. The boat goes up and down in the midst of the storm, but fear not, for Christ is in the boat. I remember for many years having a cheap little print of an icon where you see all the apostles going, ah, and there's Christ in the boat, the storm going up and down. Do not fear, me fubu. Do not fear. 
This is what Pope John Paul began with, do not fear. And he ended his pontificate with, put out into the deep. Do not fear, put out into the deep. Two passages from the Gospels, which we would do well to read and learn. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. So this is gonna be important, what he's about to do. He brings in the three chief apostles. The Transfiguration, Peter and James and John. The Garden of Gethsemane, Peter and James and John. We're about to have a Peter and James and John moment. So when he's moving forward into something crucial, he brings the three. And this isn't the transfiguration and glory in a mountain. It isn't his passion, his suffering in the garden before his death. This is healing a little girl. It's just as important because Peter and James and John are in the room. He kind of highlights it when he brings in the three of them. Not that they ever had the faintest idea what he was doing, but he liked to have them around in times like this. It's always Peter first and James and John. In all the lists of the apostles, Peter is first. I mean, how can anyone not realize what that means? We're so blessed to have Peter, that he continues his mission with us. And he changed his name from time to time, whether it be John, Paul, Benedict, or Francis, but Peter is in the room. That's so consoling, so consoling. We need him. And so he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, he saw tumult and people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he entered, he said to them, why, why do you make a tumult and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Wow. They laughed at him. This is Jesus. With Peter and James and John trailing behind, and they laughed at him. Oh, well, there we are. <laughs> I mean, the Lord himself, he didn't, couldn't connect with a lot of people because there was a barrier there. It's, uh, over time, people have laughed at Peter as well. But that is so foolish. Now, Jesus deals with the situation very pastorally. They laughed at him, but he put them all outside. That's a brisk way of dealing with things. Whenever we, we want to know how Jesus handles situations like this, he put them all outside. I tell you, it might be a suggestion for successors of the apostles. And they laughed at him, but they put them all out. he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and it went in where the child was. This is risky. He was going into the room with a dead body. And this, he was now becoming ritually unclean, just like the woman in the, just before, before, but he doesn't bother him. He doesn't worry. He reaches out. The little girl needs him, but he's not gonna let that slow him down. 
And he takes the mother and father and goes in to the little girl, the room, and taking her by the hand, he's now touching what everyone thinks is a dead body. Taking her by the hand, he says, little lamb, get up. It's actually kind of an affectionate, little lamb, get up, little one, get up. Little girl, I say to you, arise, is a formal way of putting it. And this is actually the voice of Jesus. We have a few points where it was so important they actually captured, like almost having a tape recorder in the room. Aramaic, this is Aramaic. That's just like, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Our Lord on the cross was not praying Hebrew, he was using a translation. That's not Hebrew, that's Aramaic. So we have these little moments where we hear his voice. And what does he say is, little girl, I say to you, get up, arise. And immediately, this is Mark again, immediately, the girl got up and walked. She was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. I think Mark has good reason for this kind of briskness here. Notice, she's 12 years of age. The poor woman before, her whole disease had lasted the, the life of the girl. She had 12 years she'd had this disease. And this girl, that poor woman had had the disease the whole length of the lifetime of the little girl that Jesus is on the way to help. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. This is what's so beautiful about the writings of G.K. Chesterton. He speaks of the wonder and amazement, the amazement of a child that we should have, the things that are so wonderful. He says it's like seeing the sun come up every morning and saying, let's do it again. There it is, amazing. So this gets drilled out of us and pounded out of us through life, and we forget the many splendor beauty, like Francis Thompson, on the street, like so many people just outside our cathedral, when he was writing his great poems, O world invisible, I view thee, world intangible, and I touch thee, inapprehensible, I clutch thee. The amazement, the many splendored thing of God's presence in the world and presence in one another, his divine presence. We need to be more filled with amazement and not be so dull. And to do that, we need to spend time in prayer and adoration. We need to get our souls cleaned up by the Lord so we don't have them dulled, so that we can say, oh, golly, wow, wonder that. And he strictly charged them that no one should know. He told them to give her something to eat. This is Jesus. He, he raised up from the dead. He says, oh, give her something to eat. This is the kind of practical thing. Our faith is incarnate. The poor little girl has been, suffered so much, so I'd give her something to eat. That's that human, divine, caring touch that we need to be aware of in the texture of our Christian lives. In the midst of amazement and wonder at God's presence, Give her something to eat. She's probably a little hungry after what she's been through. That's, who would think of that? I mean, he thinks of that. 
Almighty God amongst us thinks of that very practical point to give her something to eat. And so should we in everything we do with the people around us. Let's care for their needs, even their ordinary, simple, obvious needs. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. And then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and besought him saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a flow of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I shall be made well. But immediately the hemorrhage ceased. She felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone forth from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had been done to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, he saw a tumult and people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why do you make a tumult and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talithakumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and walked. She was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, 
now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.